following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Welcome to Flash Gordon Minute, presenting your hosts from Minute of Darkness and the Cosmic Geppetto Podcast, Brad, and introducing your intrepid explorer of Planet Mongo, Eric. It is minute 25 of Flash Gordon. Eric, how you doing today? Huh? What? Oh, what? oh uh, uh, sorry, Brad. Uh, so- sorry, lovely guests, uh, but five-year-old me is, is, is tongue-tied by what, or, or, or more specifically, who just walked across the screen. Sorry. It's, it's, it's a sexy, sexy minute. And joining us, speaking of uh, sexy, sexy people, we have uh, Ryan and Katie. How are you guys doing? <laughs> we're great how are you just being sexy how are you doing brad i'm doing great uh, and uh as we were preparing to record this we had a little bit of a stroll down memory lane because uh all of us have uh have a drink in front of us i have uh uh, some uh, homemade sipping whiskey that a co-worker of mine uh, brings into the office on occasion that is delicious uh and w- what do you what is everyone else uh, imbibing this evening i have a margarita I am drinking a Leinenkugel's Summer Shandy. And uh, Ryan? Uh, I am drinking one of my favorite beers. It's a, a Montucky Cold Snack. Uh, it is the unofficial, is the official unofficial uh, beer of Montana. Um, it yeah. has a, a Pegasus and a rainbow on the can. It's a limited release. It's typically just a, a horse. Damn, that's, that's, there's just a whole lot going on here. <laughs> it, it brought up uh, one of the uh, sort of infamous episodes, uh, weeks of uh, Minute of Darkness that uh, Ryan and I uh, co-hosted. Uh, who, who was our guest? It was your friend who's also a comedian who was a big uh, Army of Darkness fan? Yeah, I know. He's, he's a real comedian. <laughs> His name's uh, Jared Yui. Yeah, and Jared was fantastic. And you guys uh, during uh, share, share a, worked the same day job, and you stayed in the office and just – basically use one of the conference rooms to record and during the uh, week of recording uh you just got pretty smashed over the course of the recording sessions and i tried to keep up it was really fun but i mean yeah we just got cheeseburger drunk in the office and it's just one of those things where you just gotta you know you probably shouldn't be doing it but you can't stop it so you just you just drink through it and we we finished the minutes it was a great success and uh definitely those minutes are definitely close to my heart and liver To um, (laughs) clarify what cheeseburger drunk means, Ryan is referring to the Uh, David Hasselhoff cheeseburger drunken video. Ah, I felt very dumb that I didn't get that reference. Okay, thank you for clarifying. (laughs) No problem. It all eventually comes back to Hasselhoff. If you haven't seen that video, you got to watch it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so Eric, uh, talk to us a little bit about Minute 25. Okay, well, I'm, I'm... there's a lot to talk about in this minute, but uh, I'm, I'm using co-host prerogative here and going to the thing I most want to talk about this minute, because Aura has finally made her presence known in this movie. And I got to say that this is literally my first celebrity crush. I saw this movie, as I, I've said in previous podcast uh, uh, episodes, I was five years old. I remember seeing this movie in the movie theater. I remember it being on TV then all the time for years after. I would always watch it. This is the first time in my life that I remember actually reacting to a beautiful celebrity in a movie or a TV show. 
and I still think, uh, what are we, 38 years later, this is still one of the most attractive characters in science fiction history. Um, or is played by Ornella Muti, whose real name is Francesca Romana Rivelli. She mostly was in Italian movies. This was one of her rare appearances in an, in an English-speaking movie. And in 1994, in a worldwide poll by readers of the magazine Class, she was voted the most beautiful woman in the world. Wow. Stunningly beautiful woman. A nice career. You, you go through her IMDb page, and she's she's been a working actress. To, 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 still, still is. is. Uh, it's getting work and good for her and uh, she's just stunning in this movie and it's it's nice this is a case of you, you, if if you see the movie when uh, you, you're a youngster and she looks real pretty and those people don't always necessarily hold up when you rewatch the movies it's like oh eh, she wasn't you know it's, it's sometimes the actor or actress that you think is so uh, great looking you go back it's like oh that not not so much. Now she she still looks am- she she looks amazing. Uh, and uh, watching this minute by minute, you, you really get a sense of like just uh, how eye catching and attractive and just really charismatic and so much green presence. Uh, she holds up. Now Ryan, as someone who didn't watch the movie till you were an adult a week or two ago, uh, and as someone who watched the movie with your wife as an adult a week or two ago, what, what, what is, what's your reaction to Princess Aura? So, yeah, I'll share a little bit of wisdom. I had no reaction because this whole scene went into the nothing bucket in my brain. So it was happening. I was aware that it was happening, but it went straight to the totally like nothing bucket. So the forgetful bucket. I'm watching it now. I'm like, oh, wow, that's awesome. That is a woman. She's scantily clothed and uh, she appears to be a beautiful actress. Oh, geez, look at that. My beer is almost done. So that's pretty much my reaction as a married uh, adult. It's definitely, you know, not intentional. It's just how my brain works, baby. <laughs> I can't even remember what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, Katie, what was your first impression of Princess Aura? I think she had a, a really good presence. I thought she was beautiful. I was also worried about seeing her nether parts. Um, <laughs> but the thing that actually stood out with that scene was not her but um Fellini <laughs> her pet who is actually played by um Deep Roy yes. who um was in a bunch of other movies like Willy Wonka the bad one um Never Ending Story Return to Oz which is one of my personal favorites um in a bunch of Star Treks yeah and a bunch of other stuff yeah Deep Roy is actually our um our fifth Star Wars actor connection already in this movie we're only 25 minutes in in Empire Strikes Back, he was the double for R2-D2, and he also, there is a scene on Dagobah where Yoda is seen far away walking, and that is not the puppet, that is actually Deep Roy in a costume. Um, so he's the only person who ever actually played Yoda in costume in a Star Wars movie. Um, then he also was used in Return of the Jedi, again as R2-D2's double, he was one of the Ewoks, and he was Droopy McCool, who was the clarinet player in uh Jabba the Hutt's Palace. He also doubled Warwick Davis in the Leprechaun movies. He was in the Muppet movie. He's in Spinal Tap. He's in Dark Crystal. He, he's um, the play, the other movies Katie mentioned. This guy's got a long career. He's still working. Um, and his character, named Fellini, as Katie said, is named after the famous director Federico Fellini because the production designer on this movie worked with Federico Fellini for a number of films. And that's why they named the character Fellini. 
Good, 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 good pull, Eric. Yeah. Uh, see, folks, this is the advantage of listening to a minute by minute podcast where we can spend that long talking about basically a little person kept as a pet. And uh, <laughs> we, we, we will be sure to share. So, um, yeah, this is this minute. It's all about Princess Aura. Uh, we, we do sort of finish up uh, the previous minute where the, uh, the floating death ball rats out Flash brings flash and it seemed like ming was really ignoring flash dale and zarkov at this point and uh you really don't want to be brought to his attention and uh what i love is you know, he calls them forward they start walking princess Zara uh is so eye-catching so beautiful and it's not like she's only only beautiful in the room there are other very very attractive women around who share her uh, fashion sense katie can, can you describe the outfit that uh, princess Zara is wearing uh not much <laughs> it's you know it's a little princess leia bra like ish but with like way more golden bling i don't even know what you're talking about she also has these like colorful boas and i don't know what what that's about either um but one thing about that is yeah she definitely catches flash flashes attention you see him like kind of smirk a little bit and then of course uh what the hell's her name dale Dale, I knew it was a boy's name. Um, <laughs> Dale is like, hey, look at me. And I was like, you guys just met. Like, chill out. <laughs> well, is Flash for real? I mean, like, he's landed on another planet. He just saw this guy get stabbed. He saw a lizard man get vaporized. They're obviously in way over their heads. And he's, he's checking out the local talent. I mean, this guy's out of his mind. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's like the brightest bulb. <laughs> yeah, and we've certainly discussed the fact that this iteration of Flash kind of dim. Uh, I especially love how he introduces himself, not saying I'm Flash Gordon of Earth. He's like, you know, Flash Gordon, New York Jets. Yeah, we finally we finally find out what his job is. Uh, it was hinted at earlier, but now we know he's a Jets quarterback. And I. Ugh. This is going to pay me to say this because I know I hate this team. Brad, I know you do. Uh, Ryan and Katie, I'm not sure if you do, although based on the city you live in, you probably do. But I just, I feel it in my bones. If this movie was made today, the line would have been quarterback New England Patriots. So funny story. So we had talked about last, uh, the last episode, um, like who could play Flash if they were to cast him today. And Ryan's first answer was Tom Brady. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, ew, no. (laughs) Uh, To be fair, I mean, I pulled that straight from Ted. But it was my first reaction. Yeah, I could see it. I I could see them deciding to do some sort of Space Jam take on this. Is like, let's just take the most successful quarterback in football right now, and you know, uh, they're definitely not giving him Nick Foles. I uh, and I love Nick Foles as a Eagles fan, but uh, kind of bland. And uh, they, 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 I could see them somebody being real daring and casting Tom Brady in this role. So uh, it's that's that's not a crazy idea. It's a gross idea. Except for just a lot of people. Everyone, just the world has grown to hate Tom Brady. Okay, quick quick question, Kitty. How long have you hated Tom Brady? Forever. Okay. Look, let me just, let's just pump the brakes, okay? Like, if anyone's got a reason to be upset at the Patriots, it's me in this group. Now, I, I know, like, by the way, Brad, congratulations, okay? You know, it's well-deserved. But I don't know if you guys are aware, but I grew up in Buffalo. So I'm, like, a, a long-suffering Bills fan. So, like, you know, only reason, one of the only reasons... 
Okay, there's a lot of reasons why we haven't made the playoffs, but like Tom Brady is like <laughs> the nemesis of the team in, in the below. So it's like it's it's a very frustrating situation in the AFCs, you know. All right, Brad, help help us break the tie now. He's got the many years of suffering at the hands of Tom Brady. I, as a Seahawks fan, have the absolutely horrendous end to Super Bowl Forty Nine for why I hate Tom Brady. So who who's got it worse? Ah, that's a tough one. Because I, I understand, poor Ryan, he's been suffering quietly with the Bills because it's not like Buffalo has got, you know, they don't even get to a Super Bowl a- anymore because, you know, Brady just blocks all pass if you're in the same division or, or, or you know, he, he kills you during the season where nobody, when people don't even notice. We play him twice. We, go, we, play, we play the Patriots twice every year. That is true. It's been 17 years, made the playoffs for the first time in 17 years. So it's like you don't drop that name in Buffalo unless you're ready to throw down. <laughs> With the Seahawks, yeah, it's, it's, that was a painful game. But that, that was what kept them from repeating, right? They, you know, they, they, they won a Super Bowl. Yes. I don't know. I don't know. Listen, let's all just agree that we all hate Tom Brady's smug face a little bit. <laughs> yes. Let's go with that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I I can agree with that. We can all agree. <laughs> well, what's funny is my wife, for a, uh, for a while, liked Tom Brady because she thought he was kind of cute. And then uh, by the fourth Super Bowl ring, she was beginning to get tired of him. And now uh, it has turned into a bit of a burning hatred. She's like... She's seen the light. I'm glad. Yeah, she's like, it just doesn't, just doesn't even look as good anymore. It just, just sort of looks like a douche. <laughs> as opposed to once upon a time when he would get tackled she's like don't hurt his face <laughs> going back to the beginning of the minute um ming hands the bloodied sword with the blue blood to clytus you know clytus keeps that you know he's got a collection of stuff like that and you know he's putting it up on his wall somewhere that's that sword's not just going to be thrown in the garbage oh yeah that's yeah that's very true am i right ming's a guy who keeps trophies from all the horrible horrible stuff he does but I think Clytus personally is keeping that sword. It's like the bootlicker that he is. He's like, I want that sword. It's funny. It's hard to talk about Clytus without going slipping into Clytus' voice. Y- you have to do it. <laughs> one, one other thing you know, that you're talking about at the beginning of the minute, um, and I'm going to go right to the end of the minute. And uh, what's funny is we talk about uh, Flash introducing himself as from the Jets, as if that's not enough of a reason for them to vaporize him. It's like, <laughs> really? The, the Jets? <laughs> Zap. <laughs> Almost equally as ridiculous is Dale's way of introducing herself as like I'm Dale, you know, living like let live. I always say is like eh, that's 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 the best opener you have. Yeah, I found that a little odd. I find her, I don't, I don't, I don't like her very much. Yeah, poor Dale. She's definitely and poor Melody Anderson, uh, the actress who played Dale, definitely given some of the cheesier lines. It's definitely very old school damsel in distress. Uh, and a little bit of a thankless role. You know, God bless her for you know, doing the best she can with it. Uh, and it's also very tough to be the love interest at one point, a love triangle that involves where you're going up against Princess Aura. So she's wearing the, the red and white outfit with the shoulder pads, and there comes Princess Aura just wearing not a whole lot. Yeah, that's tough competition. And uh, a lot of credit to Ornella Muti where uh, you know, she's not wearing a whole lot, but still looks very regal and dignified and uh seems completely comfortable uh walking around with that and doesn't uh, doesn't seem at all timid or 
I, I don't know. She really owns it and uh, is able to still come across. Wears that outfit and still has her dignity intact. And I don't know. Perhaps it's just when you're that beautiful and have that great a physique, you, you feel pretty good about walking around like that. But she, she, she definitely uh, is able to not come across as weirdly wearing that outfit. It still doesn't feel too cheesecakey because she just has such confidence. Well, you know, most of the other women are dressed similarly. So I'm thinking maybe that's just she's not self-conscious about it because that's just how they all dress. Yeah, definitely. She might be wondering why Dale's wearing so much. Like, is it really cold on your planet? Come on. <laughs> I, I I imagine the uh, in between scenes must have been really awkward with all these actresses just standing around. It's like we're, we're we're not wearing a whole lot of clothes, and they probably didn't have enough money in the budget to give them all robes to wear in between shots either. They really were probably standing around like that. I I wonder, and it's something that I've heard uh, actors or uh, models talk about where they say. It's, it's amazing how quickly you get used to being in uh, just standing around on a set in a certain level of address and how quickly people stop caring about it. Where especially if you have a job to do, you have better things to do than just sort of like oogle the, the beautiful half naked woman next to you because, you know, the, the scene still needs to get shot or the picture still needs to be taken. Uh, we mentioned uh, when Ming finally notices our three heroes and the psycho flying death orb calls flesh the fair haired prisoner. Uh, and Sam Jones actually has dark hair, and he bleached it blonde for the movie, and Melody Anderson actually has blonde hair, and she had a dye hers brown. And keeping with the color-tinting schemes, uh, Flash Gordon is supposed to have blue eyes, which Sam Jones does not have, but he could not wear the contact lenses because it was irritating his eyes. And I don't think it happens too often, but every now and then you hear someone's like, "Oh, we had to we had to wear different color contacts to fit the role," especially if it's like a, for the sake of historical historic accuracy, just seems so unnecessary uh, most of the time. Speaking of someone who despises wearing contact lenses, uh, I, I haven't worn them in years. It's like, eh, really? Can't we just can't we just go with my eye color? It'll work. I don't think anyone's going to complain. Yeah, I've always wondered about that because I, I don't I don't wear glasses, I don't wear contacts, and I've always said if my, if my eyesight ever starts to take a downturn, I would wear glasses only. I would I, I see my wife put her contacts in and take them out, and it completely freaks me out. And I, I just you know I don't know if I was if I were in the acting world, if I was ever given a role where they said, well, you're gonna have to wear contacts, I. I I feel like I would just turn the roll down. I don't know how people do that. I went through a five, six-year period where I wore them pretty regularly. And then I got married. Uh, and it just seemed like it was a good time to let myself go. So I stopped uh, stopped wearing them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wore, I wore contacts for years because I refused to wear glasses. But then I got my eyes lasered, so I don't wear anything anymore. And it is amazing, and I recommend it to everybody. Nice. How long ago did you get the LASIK? Uh, 2004. And, and no deterioration? No? You haven't had any need for follow-up to, 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 to tweak it or anything like that? Nope. This has been LASIK surgery minute by minute. <laughs> <laughs> I do have one more thing about the scene. <laughs> please, please. I think it was really cool that there's a shot where you're actually looking at the view from like the death balls perspective while they're walking up towards the king. And I thought that was really cool. Yes, that's cool. They had that earlier also, um, a few minutes uh, earlier in the movie. Yes, that's a cool shot. We did talk briefly about it before, but uh, continuing the idea is 
there's just so many great camera angles and inventive ways of uh, shooting scenes that are done in this movie. I, this is not a movie that I think uh, is often thought about, like something that should be taught, shown in a class or anything like that. But there are so many great shots, and just from a camera angle perspective or camera work perspective, uh, there's a lot to be learned from Flash Gordon. Yeah, you know, there's a shot of um, the, the the hero's point of view as they're walking towards Ming at the top of the stairs. And there's maybe like, I don't know, about 40 characters standing there in their, uh, in between them and Ming. And I, I feel like if this movie was made today, there'd be like 400 CGI characters hanging around there, you know? And I, I kind of like the sparseness of how few people are here just because it's so different from what we would get today. Definitely, definitely. Every, in every... When you don't have the scene too filled, it gives the individual uh, characters in the scene a better chance to land. Uh, two other quick notes, and I'm out. Uh, just to give a, a little background on the character of Aura, she is Ming's daughter, and in the comic strip, she is actually evil when the comic strip began, but eventually she she turns good, first because she falls in love with Flash, and later on when she ends up with Prince Baron, which is pretty much what happens in this movie. And then we have our ninth instance of a Howard Blake song, non-Queen music in the movie, as Aura is walking in, there's a Howard Blake version of a Queen song that we're going to hear a little later on in the movie. And was that the uh, the order that, that happened? Queen did the song first and then Howard Blake did his version or was it verse vice? Actually, I'm not sure because uh, on Wikipedia, this particular song is listed as having been written by Howard Blake and Freddie Mercury. So I don't know which came first, the chicken or the egg there. Guys, uh, another fantastic minute. Uh, We want to, again, encourage everyone. We're going to be sure to share uh, Katie's information uh, because she is raising money for uh, Special Olympics in Denver, something that's been – I mean, Katie, that's something that's been very important for you. Gosh, when did you start your involvement with Special Olympics? 2005. Over a decade of uh, your involvement of raising funds and also uh, participating. So it's – it's really amazing that you've been doing it for so long, and it's a, such a great organization to be associated with. Yeah, they're amazing, and um, I mean, honestly, I think I get more out of it <laughs> than uh, than some of the athletes do, but hopefully I'm, I'm giving them a little bit of something, too. Yeah, so we recommend people check that out. And also keep an eye on the Cosmic Geppetto podcast. Ryan and Katie, uh, they make their presence known. Uh, and we're, we're going to be working desperately hard to get uh, Katie on to talk about uh, a, a Stitch in Time, uh, which is going to be coming out gosh, in, in, Mar- in March. So by the time you hear this episode, the movie will be out. And hopefully we'll have an episode on Cosmic Geppetto with Katie talking about it. Eric, uh, where can people find out more about Flash Gordon Minute? Yeah, you can go on Twitter and chat with us there on Flash Gordon Pod. They can send us a plain old email at flashgordonminute at gmail.com. Or we would love to hear from you on Facebook in the Flash Gordon Minute Listener's Vortex. Very cool. We uh, ask everyone to do that. Uh, you know, follow us on Twitter. Join our Facebook group. Uh, uh, hopefully, you're already subscribed to us on the podcatcher of choice. Uh, be sure to rate and review us. Uh, it, it, that uh, raises our profile. It's been another great minute, and uh, we're going to have another great conversation tomorrow to finish out this week with these fantastic guests, Ryan and Katie. Um, but it's 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 not all roses. Uh, I have a I have a problem, Eric. Tell me about the thorns on your roses. As often happens, we sort of go through the uh, IMDb pages for all these amazing actors that are in Flash Gordon, and I realized 
Ornella Moody, uh, one of the other handful of American uh, pieces of entertainment she did. She was in the terrible, terrible Sylvester Stallone movie Oscar. Oh, Oscar, a classic Stallone movie that's so classic I never even bothered to see it. So if you're thinking, oh, I'm excited because Sly's got another movie, but it's Oscar, or it's Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, or it's Judge Dredd. That's a classic. (laughs) Take it back. You take that back. I am the law. Don't worry. Flash will save all of us. Attention listeners, you can follow us on Twitter at FlashGordonPod and join the conversation on Facebook in the Flash Gordon Minute Listener's Vortex. Stay tuned for our next thrilling episode of Flash Gordon Minute.